preach in Jesus' name this morning. It's a blessing to be here. I was sitting up here, and we had missed the last two Sundays, and I was just sitting up here kind of reveling in the fact that I could sit and worship with people of like precious faith, um, people who have sincere commitments to Jesus Christ and love the Lord. And uh, I guess as our moving draws nearer, it just seems like I am more and more appreciative of Prairie Church. All right, today's sermon kind of stems out of our Christian ethics class again. Our last lesson was healthy and happy or sad and sick and how what we think and how we perceive life um, determines quite a bit what our health is going to be. Um, you know, you worry yourself sick, they say. And that, that is actually literally possible. And so, anyhow, there was one statement in there that really hit me, and I'm going to just kind of enlarge on it this morning. And that statement says this, Discipline yourself how you think. Watch yourself talk. It can disrupt your peace of mind. When persons or situations annoy you, do you degrade, reprimand, debate in your mind about the person or situation? Do you create all kinds of little speeches you would like to give to the irritating person? Or do you turn the person or situation over to God in faith? That hit me like a ton of bricks. Watch yourself talk. Do you talk to yourself? They say, well, I mean, it's like, that's kind of a part of being not quite all there or something. So they say, it's okay to talk to yourself, but you're not supposed to answer yourself, I guess they say. So does it matter to you how I think? Does it matter to me how I think? Does it matter to God how I think? Do I watch myself talk? I have to confess this morning, there was a period of about two years in my life that I almost destroyed myself spiritually by not watching myself talk. And if you're human like me, 
and you get hit by a situation or you get hit by an experience that is less than perfect, there's a temptation that this can go round and round and round and round and round in your mind. I found myself fabricating arguments. If they say this, I'm going to say this. If they do this, this is what I'm going to do. The fallacy of all that is they never say exactly what I was going to argue argue against. All right? So it's a futile... It's a futile but critical... Temptation that Satan puts into our life to try to destroy us. Our self-talk. Turn with me to Romans 14. This passage of scriptures is about the weak and the strong, and it has to do with how we relate to each other on things of differing opinion. Romans 14.1, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him that eateth not despise him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest to them another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day, day above another, and another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and to give, giveth God thanks. Verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the living and dead and the living. Here we have different ideas, different situations. But Paul says, in all this, all of trying to determine all this, what happens, it doesn't boil down to my personal opinion And we just leave it at that, and it doesn't make anybody else any difference. He says, no man liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. And so, if I make a decision, it's not just my personal decision. My decision affects everyone around me. To good or to bad. We like to be, naturally self-sufficient, uh, independent, uh, make up our own minds. Uh, they call it free. But what is free? 
What's God's definition of free? Everybody doing their own thing? Is there freedom in doing your own thing? Making your own decisions? And just letting the chips fall, like we say? First Peter 3.10 says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? What is true freedom? If you want to love life, and if you want to see good days, I think if I asked for a hand, raise a hand, everybody would put the, I, yeah, I, I, I want to love life. I want to enjoy this pilgrimage through this, through, through life. I, I want to see good days. I, I don't like bad days. I want good days. He said, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Eschew evil, do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. That, brothers and sisters, this morning is freedom. Not just letting everything fly, but making specific decisions of how I'm going to think and how I'm going to live. And making it happen. You think, I think. Uh, I think it was A.W. Tozer said, if you want to know who you are, your innermost longings, who you are, just pay attention to what you think about when you're not forced to think. When you lay down in bed at night, and you don't have to pay attention to whether the cows need milk or, I'm not need, need milk to, the cows need milk or the wood needs cut or the truck needs driven or whatever. You know, all the pressing things of the day when you lay down and what you think about. Is what you are. So life is a sequence of mental and physical experience. Thought producing action. I can't think and act totally on my own. All right. If I was no, I couldn't be born into this world by myself. All right. So that I'd take somebody else. But if I had been Adam, whatever. And God just says, "Here, you're here, and there's nobody else." I'd be a different person than I am today. I just told you I'm a different person sitting on that front bench because of you. I just told you that. 
Prairie churches had been a dramatic impact in my life in the last 30 years, or however many it was. Your actions have influenced my life to God. And I praise God for that. And hopefully my actions have influenced you toward God. And, and so what I think is critical to you. And what you think is critical to me. How I look at life. Somebody told me if you want to have a congregation that is in constant turmoil, all you need is three millionaires. That's all you need. Three millionaires. And they'll keep everything stirred up. I don't know if that's true or not. I was never unfortunate enough, to my knowledge, to be in a church with three millionaires. I don't know. If they're here, they're keeping it under the hat. All right, so... Just don't tell me, please. And if that is the fact, then that person's wrong. All right? So if, if there's three millionaires here and, and everything's going fine, then they're, they're just dead wrong. So so what do you possess that you have not received from another source? Anybody here come up with an original thought that nobody in the world ever thought about? Come on, put your hand up. <clears throat> no. Oh. Plagiarism, right? That's when you're quoting somebody word for word and taking credit for it for yourself. So, you know, that, that can be a little balance. It's like, where does plagiarism start? Where does plagiarism stop? I mean, if I read a, if I read a commentary on a passage of Scripture and I kind of give that thought. Is that plagiarism? Because I use somebody else's thought. But our thoughts are the combination of, of everything around us. We, we think certain ways. People in other countries think totally different. Face the same situation, the re reaction would be completely different simply because they were brought up in a culture that's totally different than us. And unfortunately, we as North Americans are known to be arrogant and pretty much about, you know, the North American way is the, is the way to go when we go to third world countries. We've got to work on that, not to have that mentality. But we say that somebody that's unwilling to learn from somebody else is a knucklehead. All right? That's what we say. He's a knucklehead. He won't listen. He won't listen to nobody. All right, but he got his thoughts from somewhere else. He's learning from somebody. She's learning from somebody. But they're not willing to listen to what you have to say. Uh, someone else said 
those of you who think you know it all are very annoying to those of us who do. So the prodigal son thought he knew it all, right? Give me the money. We're going to have fun. I'm going to experience freedom in ways that other people haven't. But he found out that his thoughts were flawed and he found out there's no freedom away from the Father. Brothers and sisters, this morning, there's no freedom away from the Father. We may think we have our thoughts all together, but there's thoughts that are bad thoughts. So it's critical what I think. Because Satan can give me thoughts. See, that's who gave the prodigal son his thoughts. That's where he got his from. And he thought they sounded pretty good. And by the way, and I'll just throw it in here for what it's worth and I won't charge you nothing for it. The story of the prodigal son is not primarily about the prodigal son, it's about the older brother. Right before that, they wouldn't, religious people wouldn't go eat with certain people, and Jesus said there was a, there was a boy. And he told a whole story. And the punchline was the older brother. He told the story of the prodigal son to tell the story about the, of the older brother that refused to go in. Anyhow, that's, that's beside the point. First John, if you turn me to First John 4, Addresses this subject of what you're thinking. First John four, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits where they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should become, and even now already in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth, and the spirit of error. So, we have to watch what we think because there's a spirit of truth out there and there's a spirit of error out there. 
So there's a spiritual battle raging. Every day of my life, every day of your life, there's a spiritual battle raging. And we can't be neutral. You can't say, I, I just won't have nothing to do with all this. If we try to be neutral, we'll be captured by Satan's forces. I can't live to myself in the middle of the battle. The Battle of Antietam, Sharpsburg, Maryland, only about 10 miles from where I was born. Bloodiest war ever, bloodiest day of fighting ever in the history of the United States of America. 3,000 soldiers died and 19,000 wounded or missing in one single day. 22,000 casualties. You think, and, and they have there, they have what they call the bloody lane. All right, this is really, and they would fight over that lane and the south would push the north over bloody lane. And the north would push the south over Bloody Lane. And this went back and forth all day long. And the casualties ended up in the area of Bloody Lane. Now you think of somebody said, you know what? I'm not on the, I'm not on the north side. I'm not on the south side. I think I'll just take residence in Bloody, Bloody Lane. No. I can't think wrong and live right. Impossible. I cannot think wrong and live right. What I think will bring results, negative results in my life, if I think wrong. And so I ask myself, how much mental self-discipline do I have? When a thought comes to me that is wrong, negative, do I have the mental self-discipline to say, no, I will not entertain that thought? No. Can I do that by the power of God? Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the thoughts. Weigheth the spirits, pardon me. The Lord weighs the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. So you can say, well, it's intimidating. We have this big battle going, and I'm in the middle of this, and now what am I going to do? But if God is for us, who can be against us? Who has the most power anyhow? Who has the ability to help me to think correct thoughts? Psalm 
So if I'm going to grow spiritually, I must continually, constantly compare my spirit with the ways of God. I need to do that. I need to, like Brother Mike said, we need to search the scriptures. What does God say? If I constantly compare my life with the Spirit of God, it's going to dramatically affect my life. It's just going to make all the difference in the world. It's not only going to affect how I live and how I think, it's going to dramatically affect how I relate to others around me, whether saved or unsaved. Now we may hesitate because, you know, the temptation is I don't want to be a stick in the mud, you know, but that's okay. If we stand up for Christ, if Satan's forces try to attempt attempt to intimidate me and I stand up for Jesus Christ, it's okay that I'm a stick in the mud. That's all right. That's just part of it. See, because Satan would like to intimidate anyone who gets on fire for God. That's his job. I thought about David and Goliath. Hey, Who's going to come down here and fight me? Everybody's they're all cowering down and they're all scared to death and and you know and they're you know and this giant he comes out every morning and oh I was like come on down here intimidation oh yeah and it was working till somebody started thinking like God and David said who is this ungodly man who dares to defy the armies of the living God. All of Israel was had stinking thinking. Alright? But David said, who is this guy? And his thoughts produced action. David's thoughts and his perspectives galvanized his behavior. So the battle rages. We can't we can't avoid it. So when you're on the job and it's lunchtime and you bow your head to pray, for your meal, everybody in that presence, in your presence, must make a decision. Are they going to keep on talking? Act like nothing's going on? Or are they going to respect you? You see? There'll be a decision made. But then other people, the ungodly, 
put us in a a place of decision. So they come along with a dirty joke. Now, who's going to laugh? Who's not going to laugh? See, this is the battle that rages. Are you going to laugh, or aren't you? There's no neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. Either you laugh or you don't laugh. If someone starts slamming another person's character, decision time. Somebody starts disrespecting someone else, decision time. You see, the battle rages. If somebody's meddling in somebody else's business, decision time. You see, God weighs our actions. He weighs our thoughts. And our actions and our thoughts are either for us or they're against us. First Samuel 2, Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Hannah says, I can brag all day. But God has a final say of how big I am. So how big am I? Now I can be big. And Jesus gave us a way to be big. But it's not what we would call normal. So Jesus said, if you want to be big, then you have to be small like me. Philippians 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, what's the next word? Thought. Okay, that's where it started. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. And on and on. You see, so it starts with a thought. You want to be big? You got to think right. And you go down, 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 down. More of Christ, less of me. See, someday, at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess.
You see, if I attempt to live for myself, life becomes a self-destructive process. It just simply does. Man left to himself self-destructs. Does the news shock you? Well, it shocks me, but it doesn't surprise me. People do just what they do without God. Now, if, if professing Christians do ungodly things, that's what should shock us, alright? Because our testimony is at stake and God is embarrassed and, and, you know, uh, whatever. But if we left to leave ourselves, if we leave, attempt to live for ourselves, I just, we just shrivel up. But when I die to self, then I can begin to live for others. And life be- becomes large. And life takes on meaning. And we really begin to live. I so much appreciate the Christian ethics book and how it emphasizes if you want to enjoy life, you must do so and so and so and so and so and so. It's incredible. Whoever wrote it, incredible. You have choices. And I, I just sit there at that table and I have these young people around me and their life is all ahead of them. And the choices that they make now is going to affect their entire life. Do they want to live or don't they want to live? The book is continually challenging. Do you want to enjoy life? Do you want to be everything God wants you to be? Do you want to experience peace? Do you want to experience Satisfaction and, 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 well, it's just on and on. Then this is how you do it. It's not really that complicated. If you can deny self, take up the cross and follow Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus said, He that findeth his life shall lose it, He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. You will find what life is all meant to be as God desires for you to have. So I've got to get myself out of the way. And I've got to let God help me to make the decisions I need to make. See, I can have, I have the opportunity to reject God. But our text says, no man lives to himself and no man dies to himself. I remember, I think it was Warren, I, I think said one time, I think it's in the back of my Bible, it's like everybody, every, 
everybody can walk away from your grave except your character or something, uh, something to that effect. In other words, yeah, I mean, they go there and they have the funeral and they, they walk away, but that's still you. All right. You have the example of a rich man. He had this inheritance problem to come to Jesus says, help let my brother, you know, inheritance and and Jesus told the story. Ground of a certain man brought forth plentifully and he thought within himself. Self talk. He thought within himself. Probably, well, I don't know if he's in bed or not. I hatch all kinds of plans in bed. I mean, honestly. I don't know if Richard and I had this heater problem and like we were stuck. And I said, well, sleepover. We both came the next morning exactly the same solution. So I couldn't figure out whether great minds go together or average minds go together or what. But anyhow, it's like we both had exactly the same solution to the problem. And it's like, Wow. But he, he but he thought within himself. And Jesus said he was a fool. His thoughts made him foolish. So unless the Lord returns, you and I are gonna die. Someday they're going to they will read your Obituary. My dad had this old joke. He said, uh, he'd tell somebody, he said, do you know that in the paper they have a list of names of people who quit watching TV? And I said, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, he said, yeah, people who quit watching TV. And, well, show it to me. And so he'd show me the obituary. <clears throat> So, I will die. When I die, I will be judged. Not just by the people who walk away from the grave, but by God. So what did I think about Christ? What did I think about Christ? What did I do about it? See, you have been affected by that decision. Of course I have. My entire future hinges on what I thought about Christ and what I did about it. Eternity hinges on those decisions. If I make those decisions right, my future is secure by the blood of Jesus. And I will be welcomed by God.